And so Randy Young is with us today. Randy and his wife, Becky, are here with us. Uh, and you don't want to miss just, just before uh, he comes up and speaks, but you don't want to miss tonight. Tonight's going to be really, really cool. I'm really excited for tonight. Tonight, 6 o'clock in here, cookies, coffee, missionaries. What, what more could you ask for? You know, that's about it, right? And so be here tonight for our missions panel. Uh, you want to be a part of that. All right. And so uh, Randy here is, is with us this morning to preach about missions and what it means to, to be part of missions and all of those things. And, and just a kind of an introduction to who Randy and, and Becky Young are. Uh, they lead a group, uh, missions organization called the Agora Group uh, here based in Cleveland. And Agora really is, it, they're called to mobilize personnel and prayer specifically targeting the least reached and never reached people groups on the planet. Their, their emphasis is we want to make the final command of Christ the first concern of the church. That's, that's their heart. That's, that's Randy and Becky's heart. They, they've, Randy has been both a pastor and a missionary. They actually they pioneered a church now called Christ Culture Church, but they pioneered the church New Song Church um, in the inner city of Cleveland. And, and, uh, and man, that church is... God's had his hand on that church, still has his hand on that church. And so it, it's such an honor to be able uh, to, to have the Youngs with us this morning. And, and Randy is, is perfectly positioned with where he's at to run this organization. He's been both a pastor and a missionary. He's perfectly positioned to do what it is that God has called him to do through the Agora Group. So would you welcome this morning, Pastor Randy Young. Hey, good morning, church. Oh, come on. Good morning. Aren't you excited to be in God's house today? I, I love looking around at all the flags. It's just a great reminder of why we're still on planet Earth. I'm going to adjust this a little bit, maybe. Okay. Becky, why don't you say in 43 years of marriage and ministry now, how good is that? We're excited about what God is doing here at Emmanuel. I want to start with a question today. I want you to picture this in your mind. What is 750,000 miles long? At that length, that would go around the earth 30 times, gets 20 miles longer every day. You got it? 750,000 miles, 30 times around the earth, 20 miles longer every day. Folks, that's the line of the lost on planet earth today. If we put shoulder to shoulder every person on the planet that is yet to discover life and love in Jesus Christ... That line would go around the earth 30 times longer, 30 times. It gets 20 miles longer every day. And Becky and I, in this season of life, we just have, our, our only desire is to shorten that line. Come on. Isn't that why we're still on the planet today? It's to shorten that line of the lost. 7,000 unreached people groups on planet earth today. These are cultures, tribes, tongues, distinct language groups. 7,000 with no church on their soil and in their language yet. 7,000 groups of people where you can travel in any direction all over their soil, all over their land, all over their territory. Never find a building with a steeple on top. Never find one person telling anybody about the love of Jesus yet. 24, minute, 24 people per minute go into eternity without ever hearing the name of Jesus one time. 86% of Hindus, Buddhists, and Muslims have never even met a follower of Jesus. And as 
uh, one missionary said long time ago, the gospel is good news only if it gets there in time. Only if it gets there in time. Folks, we don't ever have a second chance to harvest a ripe crop. The gospel is good news only if it gets there in, in time. So Becky and I have, as Pastor Galen has alluded to, we've had many, many ministry dreams and opportunities over the decades. And I've had the privilege of serving Jesus and preaching in over 60 nations of the, of the world. And I, I just like, pinch me. I get to do this. I never imagined this opportunity and this call. We've had so many ministry dreams over the years, but in this season of life, here's our heart. We want languages currently being spoken on earth, heard in heaven in worship for the very first time. His last command, go into all the world. His last command, our first concern as followers of Jesus, as the church of Jesus Christ, as Emmanuel Assembly, his last command, our first concern. So Agora mobilizes prayer and Agora mobilizes personnel to the nations. Uh, and over the last 13 years, first nation God gave us was the nation of Colombia. Not the safest place on the planet, all right? But, but in Colombia, we work with young Colombians uh, from the cities that are called to the tribes of Colombia, the 80 indigenous tribes of Colombia. I, I travel with tent and sleeping bag from the Andes. The Andes. Come on, do I look like a tent and sleeping bag guy to anybody, huh? But I, I travel with tent and sleeping bag from the Andes, the Amazon. Uh, we serve young adults that are called to the tribes. We've seen over 300 indigenous leaders trained. We have seen hundreds of churches planted. And yes, we've had over these last 13 years, two martyrs, two martyrs in Colombia that were part of our team. Young adults like Betty. Betty grew up in the city, uh, but in her early 20s, she had already mastered five languages. And we, she headed up a team uh, for us of, of, of young missionaries in a remote part of the Amazon among three tribes where the gospel has not yet traveled and taken root. The, the Tanimuka tribe, the Leituama tribe, the Makuna tribe. And ironically, when she was among the Makuna, Betty found herself sharing John 3.16 with a young man by the name of Juan. And as she is sharing John 3.16, Juan interrupts her and says, uh, Betty, how, how long ago did this man die? And Betty said, well, it's been about 2,000 years. And she continues to share Jesus in John 3.16. And, 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 and Juan interrupts her again. Betty, did this man die for me too? Of course he did, Juan. Why do you ask? And then Juan said this. Betty, do you mean a man died for me and nobody has ever told me why? Isn't that the million-dollar question today? Two year, 2,000 years after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, 7,000 people groups on the planet like the Makuna, and they're wondering why no one has ever told them that the Savior of the world died for them. I'm happy to report that Juan and seven of his friends were baptized. And now, catch, I love this. And now praise is going to the throne of God in the Makuna tongue for the very first time in history. How good is that? How good is that? All because Betty and her friends were sent. People had a vision for missions and sent those who were called to reach people like Juan. In the last 10 years, we've been working in Asia, and particularly in the Buddhist world. One billion Buddhists on the planet. 
and uh, we're working with a ministry called Change the Map. Our goal with Change the Map is in the next five years to raise up 100 new missionaries, to send 100 new missionaries to the Buddhist world, and to raise up 50,000 intercessors in North America that will pray for the gospel he planted among the over 600 tribes in the Buddhist world that did not yet have the gospel hasn't been there yet. So let's look at this two-minute clip on what God is doing in the Buddhist world and, and the challenges of, of the Buddhist world. In 1813, Adoniram Judson, a missionary to Burma, looked over thousands of temples and pagodas and spoke these prophetic words. Weep over your falling temples. Retire from the scenes of your past greatness. The churches of Jesus will soon supplant these idolatrous monuments, and the chantings of Buddha will die away before the Christian hymn of praise. Judson did not live to see the fulfillment of this prophecy. After 200 years of missionary labor, Buddhism still looks as strong and immovable as the fortress of Jericho did. The gospel impact on the Buddhist world seems like small cracks in these walls that have stood for hundreds and in some places even thousands of years. Nearly one billion people live imprisoned by Buddhism and its demanding rituals. Places like Laos, Myanmar and Vietnam are less than 5% Christian, with Thailand, Nepal, Cambodia, Japan, and others with less than 1%. Something has to change. As we circle these massive walls, we know that powerful, fervent prayer is the key to seeing them crumble. Focused intercession has the power to kick down doors, to break chains, to set the captives free. Will you march with an army of prayer warriors for the Buddhist world? Your prayers can change a heart, change a city, change a nation, and change the map. just the opposite of John 3.16. Point by point and truth by truth, we would call it Buddhism. For God.
not eternal life. They believe in reincarnation. Buddhists think, I'm trying to escape eternal life. Don't talk to me about eternal life. I don't even want it. I'm trying to reach nirvana. And you see the deception of a religion like Buddhism. And that's why we're asking God for 50,000 intercessors. Will you be one of 50,000 with us? We'll have a simple card as you go out the door today that tells you how to become one of the 50,000 intercessors for the Buddhist world. That's why we're asking God for 100 new missionaries being sent into the Buddhist world. So, so here we go. We're talking about the Great Commission this morning. Let's get into a text, Romans 15. I love it. This is uh, Faith Promise Sunday. Uh, this is the Great Commission. We're talking about those who are sent and those who send. And Paul writes to the Roman church near the end of his letter. He says, yet I have written you quite boldly on some points to remind you of them again because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. He gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles, those are all non-Jews who've not heard God from a hole in the wall, so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done by the power of signs and wonders through the power of the Spirit of God so that from Jerusalem all the way down to Illyricum, that's modern-day Albania, Croatia, all the way around to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not build be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, those who are not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. This is why he says to the Roman church, I have often been hindered from coming to you. But now that there is no more place for me to work in these regions, and since I have been longing for many years to visit you, Paul says, I plan to come to you to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to see you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there as I've enjoyed your company for a while. Paul the missionary. Paul the first missionary. Paul, in this passage, in this letter to Romans, in chapter 15, he's pivoting for, for 14 chapters. It has been uh, arguably the most in-depth teaching in the New Testament. And now he is pivoting, and he gives us a revelation of his great missionary heart. This is why I do all these things. If the book of Acts tells Paul's story, then Romans 15 reveals his passion. If the book of Acts displays his courage, and we read about the stories and the shipwrecks and the beatings and all these things, if the book of Acts displays his courage, Romans 15 unveils his singular focus. He had gone out on his first missionary journey with Barnabas. Acts 13 verse 1 tells us, that as they were just seeking the Lord as leaders, the Holy Spirit spoke and said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Paul for the work that I've called them to do. And, and, and so Paul and Barnabas were sent by Jesus, and Paul and Barnabas were also sent by the church. And it takes both. They were sent by Jesus, and they were sent by the church to go into all the world. And here we are in his second missionary journey, and they are sent again. And it begins with a simple desire to go back to Asia, to strengthen the churches they planted on the first journey, and to expand territory in Asia a bit. And as they're walking through Asia, if you were part of Paul's team, he'd have drove you crazy probably. 
Because the Bible says they go this way for a few days and they're walking around and then, and then suddenly Paul says, no, this isn't it. Let's go. And they go this. And, and I'm sorry, guys, but this isn't it. Paul, will you get your act together? Paul, will you just hear from God? Because we're tired of following you around Asia Minor. And Paul has a vision in Acts chapter 16. It's a man from Macedonia, modern day Europe, modern day Greece. Come over and help us. And, and for Paul... Hearing that man from Macedonia dream saying, come, come over and help, it meant one thing. It's time to bring the gospel to Europe. It's time to make disciples there. So Paul is sent by the Spirit of God to Europe. Three cities, three churches planted, three times run out of town. And suddenly Paul finds himself in the great city of Athens. And he's on Mars Hill in Acts chapter 17, and he's with the learned men of the city, the city fathers, the leaders. And as he's sharing the gospel, the story of Jesus, he gets to the part where he says, and Jesus was raised from the dead. And Acts 17 clearly says this, Dr. Luke records this. Some laughed, some said maybe we'll talk later, but some believed. Some laughed. You know what? 21st century USA, we got to be okay with this. Because as we share Jesus, and as we share our lives as disciples of Jesus, some are going to laugh. Some are going to say, maybe we'll talk about this later, but some are going to believe. And we got to be good with that. If we can't handle the rejection, we'll never see the salvation. Paul did not plant a church in Athens. And as he headed on to Corinth, he had no idea that one of the men listening to him that day on, on Mars Hill named Dionysus would one day become the first bishop of the church of Athens. As Paul left for Corinth that day, he had no idea that the Parthenon, that great structure on the Acropolis that was a temple to the goddess Diana, that the Parthenon would one day become a Christian church. Paul had no idea as he left Athens that day that to this day, on every Good Friday coming up, on every Good Friday, every flag in Greece is lowered to half-mast in honor of the death of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul had no idea. All he did was plant seeds. And, and some laughed, and some said later, and some believed. But you just never know when you plant seeds what God might do with them. And this is the missionary heart, planting seeds. And I ask this question, with all that's gone on, what if Paul would have never been sent? What if the Spirit of God would have never said in Acts 13, Paul and Barnabas, it's time to go? What if the church didn't believe or get behind their call? What if the church didn't support them going forward? He was on to Corinth. He's now in his late 50s. He's been following Jesus for 25 years. He's packed a whole lot in, folks. And from Corinth, he writes this letter to the Christians at Rome. And Rome is a city he's never visited. It's a church that he did not plant. So he goes into great detail in his teaching in this letter. And he writes boldly about the gospel, beginning right in chapter 1. He says three things about the gospel. You know, we read John's gospel and, and we talk about the I am statements of Jesus. I'm the bread of life. I'm the good shepherd. I am the door. And we study these I am statements. But Paul makes three I am statements in the first chapter of Romans. And in Romans chapter 1, he first says, he says, um, he says, I 
am a debtor. Because the gospel came to me, it has to now travel through me to other people. It can't stop with me. I'm a debtor because of what Jesus has done for me. I owe a debt of love to see this gospel get to every person on the planet. He says, I'm a debtor. And secondly, he says, I'm not ashamed. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation, life change for every Buddhist on the planet. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. But I love what he says thirdly. He says, not only am I a debtor and I'm not ashamed, he says, I'm eager. I'm eager to bring the gospel to you who are in Rome as well. I'm eager to be sent. I'm eager to fulfill my call. I'm eager to keep moving forward with the story of Jesus so that this gospel travels to places where it's never been before. Now here in chapter 15, Paul unfolds what drives him as a missionary apostle, and it's all about making disciples of all nations. I see Paul driven by three things, and we'll unpack these in the next few minutes. He was driven by a clear calling to the never reached. He was called to preach where Christ's name was not yet known. He was, he was driven by a singular conviction to the power of the gospel. The biggest problem in our world today, folks, is sin. There's only one power in the world that can change a sinful heart, and that's the love of God. He was driven by a conviction of the power of the gospel, and finally he was driven by a consuming passion for the glory of God to be expressed and experienced among all peoples. So his clear call, if you go back to Romans chapter 10, uh, verse 15, he asked a simple question. How can anyone preach unless they are sent? Today we're talking about sending. We're celebrating the missionaries you support all over the world. And Pastor Galen's heart, I love it. It's like, man, my heart is to see us be able to adopt five new missionaries in the coming year. We're talking about and how can anyone preach unless they are sent. Paul's calling was clear. He was sent to the never reached. And as he reflects on his ministry here in Romans 15 and future plans, he says, it's all because of grace that I can do this stuff. Anybody thankful for grace besides me in here? Where would we be without the grace of God? Come on, huh? My favorite definition of grace is two words, outside help. Lord, it's not in me. I don't have the capacity. I don't have the ability. Unless you grace me to do this, God, it ain't going to happen. Grace is outside help. By grace we're saved. By grace we serve. And by grace we stand, Paul says. Outside help. And Paul is saying, everything I've done in missions is because of the grace of God. He says, therefore, the Gentiles are my offering to God. And I boast only in God's glory and the joy of presenting tribes and tongues to Jesus. And if the nations, hear me on this, if the nations were the bullseye for Paul, picture a target. I don't know if there's any archers or, you know, axe throwers or anything like that in here. But picture a target. Okay, if, if the nations were the bullseye for Paul, then, then Paul was the tip of the arrow or the tip of the spear. I want you to think about this with me. Um, let's use the spear analogy. I'm a lefty. If you throw a spear, let's say I just had the spearhead without the shaft. How accurate am I 
throwing that thing like a Frisbee to try to hit a target. It's just, it's just not going to happen, isn't that right? But with a shaft to help it fly true and straight, that spearhead can hit the intended target. Paul and his apostolic team that were with him, Paul was the tip of the spear and his team was the spearhead. But um, the church is the shaft. Together, we are a powerful force for missions. The senders hit the target, or the sent, sent ones hit the target when the senders are part of the team. And that's, and that's you and I. Now, catch it. I don't know if you remember World War II. There was a famous poster of a woman called Rosie the Riveter. Anybody remember Rosie the Riveter? Huh? And here's this, here's this strong, determined woman, and she's showing her guns. And, this, and it's all about the war effort back home during World War II. And how important it was for the nation to pull together for the fight on the front lines. And how important it was for what was going on at home to be in full cooperation and participation with what was going on on the front lines. Generals said after the war, if it wasn't for the effort at home matching the effort on the front lines, we'd have never won the war. That's missions, folks. The passion of us here today needs to match the passion. It may be a different location, but a passion for the fulfillment of the Great Commission needs to be matched by us here today along with those on the front lines. The sent ones. So if the nations were the bullseye, we are that shaft. But Paul also saw himself as a continuation of an ancient calling going all the way back to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. If I could just, I see the Bible a lot differently these days. And in Genesis 1 through 11, first of all, I see the Bible as one book. <laughs> okay, it's the story of God on a mission. Genesis 1 through 11, let's just call it the introduction. Let's just call it the warm-up because in Genesis 1 through 11, we get, we get creation Maybe not as much detail as we'd like, but we get creation, we get the fall, isn't that right? Uh, we, 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 get, um, uh, we, we, we get the flood, we get Babel and how nations and peoples are scattered and languages emerge on the earth in the first place, and we get all this introduction, and then in, in, and then in Genesis 12, God has a plan and he starts with a man named Abraham to reach the whole world. He says to Abraham, I'm going to bless you, Abraham, and I'm going to make you a blessing. And through you, all the peoples or tribes, nations, all the peoples are going to be blessed. God on a mission. And now, all those Old Testament Bible stories that I started learning as a kid, how about you? About that big? I see them differently. Because if you look closely, there is a second set of characters in those stories that we often overlook. And let, let me say it this way. For God so loved Egypt that he sent Joseph. For God so loved Babylon that he would send Daniel and his three friends, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. For God so loved Persia, he would raise up a refugee teenager named Esther to be the queen. For, for God so loved Nineveh that he would call a prophet named Jonah 
to go to that nation of terrorist thugs. Well, he eventually got him there, isn't that right? Special delivery system. Don't have time to get into all that. But the Bible is the story of God on a mission. Catch this. Gunter said this. If you take missions out of the Bible, all you've got left is the covers. That's a slide, but that's okay. If you take missions out of the Bible, all you've got left is the covers. So Paul saw God writing the next chapter of his mission through his life. And today, church, I want to submit to you, God wants to write a new chapter through a manual assembly. A new chapter in the story of God through this church. This next season is a new chapter. So catch this. Galatians 3.29 says this. Paul says, if you are in Christ, anybody here in Christ, are you thankful to be in Christ today? He says, then you are Abraham's seed or Abraham's kids. And you are heirs to the promise. What promise are you and I heirs to today as Abraham's kids? <laughs> Genesis 12. I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to make you a blessing. And through you all the peoples of the world. That's a great promise for the Great Commission. And that's what he's saying over Emmanuel Assembly today. Emmanuel Assembly, I'm going to. Why are you going over there? Aren't there enough lost people in Northeast Ohio? I say, yeah, there are lost people here. And they are just as lost as people in the Buddhist world. But I ask you, how many churches did you drive by today on your way to church this morning? How many opportunities if people are seriously hungry to know God can they find a way to find him in our culture? It's not that people are equally lost because they are, but it's about having equal access to the gospel. For Paul, it wasn't just about seeing people saved, but it was about seeing peoples. The Bible talks about peoples everywhere. Language groups, ethnic groups, cultures. It's about seeing peoples saved because Revelation 7, 9 promises that one day around the throne of God, there'll be worshipers, isn't that right, from every nation, tribe, and tongue. So the Great Commission pastor becomes like a, like a kingdom scavenger hunt, <laughs> going all over the earth, collecting language groups and people for Jesus that will be represented in worship one day in heaven. It's not just about people, it's about peoples. That's why Paul said, I've been called to preach where Christ is not known. We have a, we have a partner in a communist nation uh, that I cannot name this morning. It's about 7 million people, not very big, but there are over 100 unreached people groups in the mountains of this nation alone. Um, one of our Agora graduates, her name was Sarah, served there for two years. Our partners have a a ministry center for tribal kids where between 100 and 150 kids from the tribes around them are educated, taught English, fed, given life skills every day. And it's an amazing outreach. And in this town, in the northern part of this communist country near the Chinese border, you could travel for hundreds of miles and never find the Golden Arches. If you want a decent hamburger, there's one semi-western restaurant in town that I won't name either. <laughs> But that's where you go to get a hamburger. And, and I was there, uh, and, and while we were there, we're in this restaurant, we're getting a burger, 
there's, young, there's a young man, let's just call him Chen, all right? I don't want to reveal his real name. But Chen was in this restaurant, and he started talking to us, and his English was pretty good. It's like, Chen, where are you learning English? Well, I watch as much American TV as I can. Well, okay. But Chen, he was also tending bar there because he knew if any Westerners were in town, that's where they would come, and he could practice his English with the people sitting there. And he knew about what we did with, uh, with the center, and he said, hey, do you think I could teach English there? Well, that was a dilemma because everyone that teaches English there is a follower of Jesus. But my friend who leads the ministry, he said, I felt a stirring. I said, I feel like God's in this. He invited Chen to sit in on his first class just to observe. And this young man watching class, and my friend, he would start every class with these high school kids by writing a proverb on the board. And this particular day, he wrote this proverb on the board. A good name is to be desired more than great riches. Taught the class after he said, Chen, what did you think? What did you learn? What questions? He said, I like that proverb. Where did you get that? And my friend said, hey, I got a whole book of them. Are you interested? <laughs> to which Chen replied, yeah. He said, uh, I'd like that. And my friend said, it's part of a bigger book called the Bible. You ever heard of it? No. The Bible tells the story of a man named Jesus. Savior of the world, your Savior. Have you ever heard of him? No. As Jim became a part of the team, became part of a small group, I'm happy to report he was ultimately became a follower of Jesus and was baptized. But, but, but hey, it, it gets better because what we did not know is that Chen is from a remote mountain tribe where the gospel has never yet traveled. And from what we can tell, he is the first known believer from his tribe. Praise is going to the throne of God in his language for the very first time. His fiance at the time, now his wife from a neighboring tribe, the gospel's never traveled there either, but she's a follower of Jesus. We've got the first Christian couple ever from this region of the world. We've got the first Christian family from this part of the world because now they have a little boy. We believe they're going to be the first church planters ever because God has opened a door wide into these tribes now where the gospel has never traveled in history. And that's what God is doing. And I ask you the question, what if my friend Abe would have never been sent? What would be going on in the lives of those hundreds of tribal kids that they've served over the years? Would Chen still be stuck at the restaurant trying to learn English? Would his tribes still have never heard the name of Jesus before? He speaks five tribal dialects in his region. And he's key to reaching a part of the world that's never been reached before. All because a church and a group of churches like Paul and the church in Antioch. The church has said... We believe Jesus is sending you. And as the church, we are sending you too. There's so much more that I could share. 
so many stories. Um, let's wrap up this way. Paul says to the church at Rome, um, he says, now I'm, I'm coming to you. He says, I'm just going to be passing through. He says, when we're together, I know we're going to refresh each other. And he says, I hope you can assist me. That sounds like a missionary, doesn't it? Come hear the stories of these four tonight. Just come hear the stories. He says, I hope you can assist me because he saw the Roman church as a second sending church, a base of operations for him. And I do want to say on behalf of all your missionaries that you currently support all the world uh, that can't be here today, can I just say thank you? I want to say thank you on their behalf. Paul says, assist me because, he says, there's no more work left for me to be done in these regions. And I'm thinking, what's up, Paul? You mean there's no more lost people where you're, where you're serving right now? Paul, no, Paul said you don't get it. My call is to go where the gospel has not yet traveled yet. And, and I've been here for a while, and we planted some churches, and we've established some elders, and the congregations are supporting themselves. My work's done here. My, my part of the job is done. He says, uh, he says, I'm going to Spain. We know he never got there. Because ultimately, as he reached Rome, he would be beheaded for his faith on the Appian Way outside of Rome. But I'm going to Spain. This really spoke to me. As a global disciple... And, and Pastor, here's, here's, here's my conviction as a missionary. Whenever my number's up or God calls me home, I want to die with a Spain in my heart. I want to die planning on the next thing I get to do for God. And the next place he is going to send me to help young believers reach the people around them with the good news of Jesus. I want to die with a Spain in my heart for Jesus. I want to live long. I want to die young. <laughs> and I want to do it all to the glory of God. For Paul, Spain because of the never reached. Spain because Jesus is their glory from that part of the world where the gospel had not yet traveled at that point in history to Spain. Well, Emmanuel, I want to say God is calling you to be a sending church. And I, I want to ask you to, they're sitting right there by you, grab one of these cards. I want everybody just to have a card in their hand, okay? Just before Pastor Galen comes, grab a card, please. Can you wave them at me? Let me see them. I, you know, kids, absolutely love it. Teenagers, let's all grab a card. For, for us, this just looks like a card, and we've seen them. We've been around Emmanuel for a while. We've seen them before. Isn't that right? But to our missionaries, hear me when I say this. This isn't a card. This is a rope. The founder of Modern Missions, William Carey, the Brit that went to India as a pioneer missionary, said to a group of friends, hear me. If you hold the rope, I'll descend into the darkness. What you're holding in your hand today is a rope to frontline missionaries. What you're holding in your hand today is an opportunity to be a sender, partnering with your local church to support missionaries around the world. And if, and if, we, go, if we let go of this rope, life just kind of goes on for us here in Cleveland. 
But if we let go of this thing, let me just say, they're counting on us. They're counting on what we do today. Traditionally, faith promise is all about hearing from God and saying, Lord, what do you want me to believe you for in the next six months, in the next year, that I can give weekly or monthly to do my part in the fulfillment of the Great Commission, to do my part as a sender? And that's really, really important. We need to listen to the Lord. But today I'm hearing a fresh call from the Spirit. And it's not, Lord, what, just what can I believe you for, but, Lord, what can I sacrifice? What can I do without that's really not that important that would free up some resource so that I can be a part of the Great Commission team? What can I, what, what can I, sac- what can I do without how can I be that Rosie the Riveter stateside to match passion and be engaged with what you're doing on the front lines? Um, I've said this before, but if you're a Starbucks fan, I don't call it Starbucks anymore. I call it four bucks. Every time you go in, it costs you four bucks. I mean, if you just did with one less Starbucks a month, you could give 20 or 25 bucks to missions. Becky and I made a determination a long time ago that um, we would not give the cable guy on a monthly basis more than we give to the Great Commission. And since that time, as we have prayed and said, God, Galatians 3.29, I'm going to bless you and make you a blessing. Now the largest check we write every month is for the fulfillment of the Great Commission. And we're thankful not just to be a goer, and a sent one to be able to send others as well. So I encourage you today to take a step of faith. Beyond the tithe, as Pastor Galen already alluded, may what you do today be an expression of sacrifice and commitment so that the whole world knows that Jesus is the Savior. When everybody does something, together we could do a great thing for God. So let's make this 100% today in some way. When everybody does something, we can do a great thing for God. And I'm going to leave you the quote before Pastor comes. Um, you know, the story of God is still being written. He wants to write a chapter through the church starting today. But the great Livingston, missionary Livingston to Africa said this, Sympathy is no substitute for action. This morning is not a morning to sympathize for our missionaries or to sympathize for those who have never heard. This morning is a morning for action. Bless your church.